Welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolia's First. To learn more, visit m1bc.org. Well, you're looking at a lot of scriptures up there that we have entitled as game changers. In fact, Pastor Ed mentioned uh, a moment ago, this was really his series that he had planned to, to, you know, throw out to us all these different verses that are game changers. And so Romans 12, what we're really looking at is something that he picked, his life versus Philippians 4. But I hate to tell you, Pastor Ed, I'm kind of glad you got COVID because I love Romans 12. And so... uh, I wouldn't have said that if you were not here yet and you were still in bed, but since, uh, since you're here, I can say that now and people won't throw things at me and it's, it's all good. There's been an emerging theme that we have seen through these passages that we've looked at, and uh, my own life verse, which I shared with you a few weeks ago, is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart, Psalm 37, 4. And, and we talked about the need to look up, not, a, uh, not around. When we look up to God and only look to God, then uh, we delight ourselves in him. And then he takes us and aligns us to him. But there's a key word in that is that he does it, a key phrase. He makes it happen. And that is the emerging theme. When I listened to, to Daniel uh, last week in his life verse, it was Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. And Daniel's the only guy I know that would really pick the Old Testament for a life verse. You know, that's just Daniel. Although I did get a little bit of criticism, I'm going to take it as constructive criticism, although people seem to come at me with hammers when I mentioned that Ecclesiastes is a bad one to grab. Well, I was, I was grabbed in the hall and said, never say that. You know, Ecclesiastes, that's my life verse. And so I, have, I will refrain from knocking any chapter, anything that could be your life verse. But the key is, when you choose a life verse or when a life verse happens to fall upon you, it's often something that God does in you. Because when we get to the, the base foundation of who we are, it is what God has done for us. Not what we have done, but what God has done. Listen to Daniel's verse, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. If you you examine that passage the one I mentioned the week before, they're all about what God has done to you, and then you respond as a result. And so it's God's work in us. And Romans 12 is, uh, is, is really no different. It's God placing these things in our life. And here would be our big idea for today. Our righteousness is God's work, not our own. Our righteousness is God's work, not our own. And so what I want to deal with today is our identity. And so I'd like to ask you the question just up front. Where do you find your identity? Where do you find your worth? Where do you find your value? 
Uh, there's a great old book from the 80s about significance, the search for significance. Where do you find your significance? And spoiler alert, if you find it anything outside of God, then it takes you on a path that you do not want to be on. So let me share with you why we find our worth, our value, our significance uh, in God. Listen to Romans 12 too. This would be the, the key verse that I wanna look at as a part of our passage. We're gonna look at Romans 1 or 12, 1 and 2, but I wanna focus on verse two. This would be the part that you might put on your bathroom mirror that you might put on your visor in your car. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. This is what it means to be a new person. Uh, Daniel spoke about new birth, salvation, regeneration, last week. This is the very essence of what it means to be a new person, and that is let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. And so, so often our goal to become closer to God, to become closer to Christ, is that we go through this process where we try and change our behavior. We try and change our actions when in reality it's the reverse. What God would call us to do is to, number one, let him do it, but then to change our mind, change our heart, and then actions follow. You hear me on that? It's a matter of the heart and the mind that we allow God to change, and then as a result, our actions change, our behavior changes. How many of you have taken on a weight loss program this January? Anybody, raise your hand, be honest. See, you're gonna hold yourself accountable to the person next to you, okay? There is only one person in this entire auditorium. <laughs> so good luck, we're all gonna hold you accountable. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I didn't, uh, I'm not on one either. I went on a cruise last week, and uh, diet is so far from anything I would consider that, uh, that I can't do it. But years ago, I, I went on a diet. Let me tell you what I did real quickly, and it, it's, it's about my mindset and my behavior, and so hang with me. But uh, this was the, the best diet I ever did where I lost uh, quite a few, I lost almost 30 pounds. Gained it all back plus. But uh, the, the mindset I went on, and it worked for me, this is not, uh, don't write this part down, okay? But what worked for me was just simply counting calories and, and eating only, I think I was doing like 1,800 calories a day, and I would make sure I stayed under that. But I did not care how. You see, all I did was modify my behavior. When I started out, I kid you not, my goal was only to reduce the calories. So I could hop on a treadmill, hop on my bike to reduce calories, which allowed me to eat chocolate cake for dinner, okay? And, and no lie, I did that, I lost weight. But let me tell you what happened when I first just modified behavior. When I first modified behavior, then I was really just cheating myself and literally I would eat chocolate cake and then hop on the treadmill for however long it took to get those calories off and, and I would pick the right setting on the treadmill that would 
would take the calories out the fastest. You know what I mean. You've done that before. But uh, slowly my mindset changed. And when my mindset changed, all of a sudden I became a truly healthier person. You see, the, when my mindset changed, all of a sudden I didn't want the chocolate cake. All of a sudden I started making correct decisions. But I didn't start out with a mindset of really a healthy body and what I wanted to do. I started out with, let's just lose some weight. But when my mindset changed, my behavior followed. The beauty is we're not talking about weight loss. We're talking about our relationship with God. And when we allow God to change our mindset, then the behavioral things will change. There's work involved, don't get me wrong, there's a process of sanctification, but the very first step is the renewing of your mind. Let me loop back to a verse we talked about last week, because it's foundational to our relationship with God. It's in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 31, 33. Great verse, also could be considered a life verse. Uh, Jeremiah 31, 33, but this is the new covenant. And I want you to hang on to that word, covenant. This is the new covenant, meaning this is the new foundation of your relationship with God. I will make with the people of Israel after, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And here's the new covenant. I will put my instructions deep within them and I will write them on their hearts. Daniel said last week, that's like a recoding of our, of our personality, but he recodes us. He will write them on our hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. This is Jeremiah giving us a, a foretaste, or giving those in that time a foretaste of what we have. We are under a new covenant with God. The relationship that is explained through God, by Jeremiah, is one that either you already have with God or God wants to have with you. And I can say that to you with all sincerity. And so I don't assume right now that you know God, but what I know for sure is that you're one of two people in this room, and that's that you have this covenant relationship with God or God wants to have a covenant relationship with you that he has already offered. Because when we get to this, our righteousness is God's work, not our own. And so hang on to that. Let's go to the word covenant. And so what, what Jeremiah explained to us from God is that God's plan would be replacing the system of the law with a new covenant that would plant righteousness or impute righteousness within the heart of everyone who would believe. So before, it was the law, and now it is grace and truth. John 1, 17, write that one down. And so God makes covenants with his people. The old covenant, the Old Testament, which you have in your Bible, is based on law. Grace was still there, but I'm not going to spend an hour getting that out. But there was grace through the sacrificial system. The New Testament, the New Covenant, is based on grace and truth. John 1, 17. These are all covenants. 
covenant that God makes with us. It is a covenant relationship. God is a God of covenants. Now, here's the problem. When some of us read verses like Romans 12, 1 and 2, we begin to default to a different type of relationship that we might assume we have with God. And that would be a more contract-based relationship. You see, some of us in here, we are struggling with our relationship with God because we, our foundational uh, understanding is that we are in a contract with God rather than a covenant with God. Some of you in here are afraid to make that step, that, that, that stepping over the line of faith because you're worried about the contract that would follow. Let me explain that a little bit more. A contract is an agreement between two parties where each make a promise to each other. It's an if-then type contract. If you do this, then this person will do this. If I do this, then this person will do this. And so you, you enter into this contract with God thinking that if I do this, then God will do that. If God does that, then I will do this. But what happens is we end up breaking that over and over and over again. The contract is continually broken, and the contract is temporary. And so when one of us doesn't meet our obligation, guess who doesn't meet the obligation? Is it God? No. Those of you who know for God is true. God is faithful. He will never break his promise. We break our promise. I break my promise. Let, let's see, if you're not on a weight loss plan, how many of you in here have broken your promise to God? Twelve of us, and the rest are all liars, okay? <laughs> and so you all just did it, so now you can raise your hand. Here's what a covenant is, and this is what I want to renew your mind with. I want to let God renew your mind. I think this is the foundation. This is definitely the foundation of how God wants to renew your mind is that he is in a covenant relationship with you. While a contract is an agreement between two parties where they both, where they both do something, a covenant is an agreement between two parties or two people where an unconditional promise is made from just one party. You see the difference? If, if it's a contract, both people agree to do something for the other. In a covenant, one person agrees and makes a promise that they will do it for the a contract is an I will or a if not I will that's the covenant sorry a contract is an if then a covenant is a I will type agreement and a covenant relationship is forever when you go in with a God who will never break his promise and so I go through all of that to say I want you to view Romans 12 1 and 2 as a covenant, not a contract. I want you to focus on the renewed mind of renewing your mind of what a relationship with God is and then let him continually renew your mind and then watch how the behavior becomes something a little bit different. Still important, don't get me wrong. But when you understand that it is God who is going to do the work in you, everything changes. 
Because when you develop a contract with God, here's what happens. You keep on resetting the contract. Every time you break it, you reset the contract. And there's no growth. There's no development. But when you have a covenant with God, it is a continual growth with him. Because you know it's nothing you did anyway. It is all about him. And so Paul's plea to believers here in Romans 12, 1 and 2 is that you would have gratitude for what he has already done for you. If you look at this in Romans 12 and 2, 1 and 2, it's not written to unbelief. This is not a pathway to a relationship with God. Rather, it is a, a, a plea for us believers to have gratitude for the relationship we are already in. And then if you're an unbeliever who happens to be reading a letter to believers, it explains that you too can have a relationship with God that is based on a covenant that he wants to make a promise to you. He wants to renew your mind. And so listen to Romans 12, 1 and 2 in that light where Paul says, verse 1, I plead with you, pleading to believers, to give your bodies to God and I love New Living Translation here because it's the only one that really puts it in here. It puts in the word because. If you're in the NLT right now, I'd ask you to circle that word because. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because. If you're in another translation, I'd encourage you to write the word because out in the, the side there. Circle it and then point back to the word therefore or and so that you'll see in your scripture right before the verse starts. Because the passage starts with and so or therefore, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. And then here we get to the verse that you put on your visor. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Romans 12 is a natural response to the grace of God. It is a, not a, a call to be disciplined, although that is there in Scripture this verse has to do with gratitude, behavioral change, because of what God has done. And then it gives us the answer. It says, if you want to do the things that God wants you to do, then let God transform you by renewing your mind. Let God transform you by changing the way that you think. And so how do we change the way that we think? I've got a first step for you. The rest of it is a journey with God. But the very first step is what I hope you've already grabbed. And that is that you are in a covenant relationship with God. When you're in a covenant relationship with God, you belong to God cannot be taken away, won't be taken away. You are his prized possession. Now, so how do we change the way we think? The very first step is understanding the terms of our relationship with him. And so 
what we understand is, is that we willingly belong to God. And so when you step over that line of faith, you cross the line of faith that we talk about in here that, that would you know, bring salvation, you are handing over the ownership of your life to God. And now you belong to him. He created you, he made you, he really owns you anyway, but he left you to your own and said, if you want me to, to own you, I will. And let me tell you what, you'll like it. And any Christ fallen here would know when we willingly give ourselves to a loving God, it changes everything. Our identity is in him, our worth is in him, our value is in him, our significance is in him. We enter into this covenant relationship where we belong to God. And so you willingly belong to God. Now here's where changing the way you think truly matters. Whoever you belong to controls you. Whoever has the most real estate in your head controls you. Whoever you want to please the most, they control you. And they define the way that you're going. If you're fortunate, then you're looking to a person who has the best intention for you. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a, a coworker. But people always fail us. And so when we look to anyone else but God for those things in our life, we end up going on a path that we were never intended to go on. Think about this. Only an owner, only an owner can assign value. Think about that for a bit. Only the one who owns you or owns a possession can assign value. I can put a value on this. Over here, he showed me a picture of a broken up roller car, tried to sell me $9,000. I offered him $9. He didn't accept. I don't know why, but why? He's the owner. He puts the value on it. When you're the owner, you're allowed to label things. You can call it what you want. It's yours. You assign the value. You assign the worth. You decide how useful it is to you, and you can label it. There's only three entities that have the right to label something. Think about it. Just look at this. Who made this? Apple. Some of you hate Apple. Well, it hates you too, okay? And, I th and you would agree, right? But, uh, but the manufacturer has the right to label something. Now, let me tell you what, I just messed up my notes. They're duplicated, so I hate now Apple too, but, uh, but that's okay. Not sure what I did there, but we're, we're close to the end, so we'll, we'll get there. Well, look what I have done. That's what I get. That is what I get. Fixed it right there. The manufacturer has the right to label something. The owner has the right to label something. It'd be weird if I ran and grabbed Ed's laptop or his uh, you know, iPad and put my name on it. Wouldn't that be weird? Only I have the right to put my name on what I own, right? There's a third entity and it's the purchaser. The purchaser, typically the owner, 
but the purchaser has the right to label something. When you step across that line of faith, you release ownership of your own life, you willingly belong to a God who has purchased you with the blood of Christ. And at that point, only he can put value, can label you, can assign usefulness, worth, significance to your life. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you wanna understand what it means to be a new person. Let God change the way you think. If you wanna get started in that process, understand the terms of the relationship that you have with him. He wants to assign a value to you that you do not deserve. You no longer have to listen to the noise around you. You no longer have to be owned by people that never purchased you, that never had anything to do with you, that you somehow have given them so much room to decide who you are that all of a sudden you're trying to please them rather than God, and you need counseling as a result. This has everything to do with significance, value, and worth. And when you start there and you realize the value that God places on you, the label that he puts on you, it changes everything. It renews your mind, and you can singularly focus on the one who loves you the most. And then all the noise can be buried because you have one thing that you look to for worth, and that is your God. Who owns you? I don't really like the word either, but you know what? I have given my life to him. I belong to him, and thank God I did. I made a mess of it when it was in my own hands, right? If you don't do it, here's what happens. End of verse 2. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. So, if I don't do this, if I don't understand the value, if I don't let God renew my mind and start with this basic foundation understanding of the relationship, then I miss all that God has for me. There's the pathway. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. It sounds like an if-then statement, and it is. But it's not a contract. It's just simply an if-then statement from a God who is in a covenant relationship with you who says, you know what? You belong to me. You, willing, you willingly gave yourself to me. I own you. Here's what I'll tell you. If you will accept that, understand that, and then let me, let God, transform you into a new person. If you'll let God do that and let him change the way that you think, he says, then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. My favorite part, do you want to understand who you are to God? Read scripture. Hang with me just a little bit longer. 
I want to read you some labels that God has placed on you and me. And let me be clear. This would be for those that have stepped across the line of faith. However, these are, again, either labels God has placed on you or desperately wants to place on you because he wants you to believe in him and step over that line of faith. Ephesians 1.4, even before he made the world, God loved you and chose you in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. All his work, all his actions. 1 Peter 2.9, but you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Colossians 1.22, yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And guess what? You are holy, blameless, and as you stand before him without a single fault. That's what your owner says to you. The one to whom you belong, that's what he says about you. Why would you listen to anybody else? I like labels. I would label this all up. Here's some labels that God would stick on your back. Righteous, blameless, honorable, innocent, noble, pure, worthy, deserving, pleasing, valued, and righteous. If you hear those words and and you feel a little bit of a, no, that's okay. But let me tell you what, until you accept that covenant relationship, you you can't move forward because you're going to blow it today. That one person that raised their hand, that they're on a weight loss program, we all know she's going to blow it by the end of the week, (laughs) right? But way more important than losing weight is understanding who we are in Christ. And if you're just making little contracts with God over and over and over again, you'll never understand the awesome joy he wants to place in your life. I'd like to close with this. You know, our, our big idea is our righteousness is God's work, not our own. So what do we do with that? I just want you to simply think about two things. Number one, identify who you allow to label you. Who is it in your life? What is it in your life? It might be a job. It might be a person. It might be a hobby. But what do you find the most significant value and worth? What are you looking to? And while none of those may be terrible, if they're primary before God, then you're you're priorities are skewed and you're going to miss all the joy, all the things that God has for you. And then secondly, just turn it over to him daily. Let me pray and Pastor Ed's going to come up and close this out. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you that you're a God who assigns a value to us that we do not deserve. 
Father, if there's nothing that we have done, can do, or will do to deserve it. And Father, while that, tr- while that troubles me, I find complete joy and peace. Father, knowing that you're a God who never gives up on me, who looks at me like no one else can, and that assigns a value on me that I do not deserve. Father, forgive me when I look to anything else, anything else, to discover my own value and significance and worth. Father, may we seek you out and fully understand that our righteousness is based only on you. It's your deal, not ours. And Father, as a result, may my life, as Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Father, I pray that my life would just be a response to what you have done for me. Father, let me serve you and obey you out of joy, not out of duty. And Father, if there's anyone here that considers their walk with you duty, I pray that you would renew their mind and let them know that, Father, they are more valuable than ever and that you want to renew their mind, change the way they think, and help them understand what you think of them. We give all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.